0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Brian from the Union. We are so glad that you've decided to join us here on the Union Podcast, and uh, I'm excited today because we sat down with uh, Brent Henderson. I got to sit down and hit with him and talk about his new book, The Roar Within. And uh, I think a lot of guys can relate that at some point, us as men, we struggle with wanting to know why we're here, why we live, why we exist. We, we have a need for respect, we have anger issues, we have lust and shame that we're constantly battling, and um, and we're always trying to answer this one question, am I enough? And where does my value come from? You know what I mean? And uh, in this conversation, I sit down with Brent, and in his book, he, he talks about five uh, big man killers, these big five man killers that really are trying to out to destroy um who god's called us to be as men and we we unpack some of these some of these dynamics and how we can live free from them and it's such a great conversation so uh without further ado i'm going to pass it off uh to our conversation here with brent henderson
1: you're listening to the union podcast the union exists to bring biblical confidence and clarity to the topics of relationships and sexuality on this podcast we unpack the damaging effects of modern sex culture and discuss how to heal from the past and enrich your relationships here are your hosts brian and bonnie pew
0: All right, everybody. I'm here with Brent Henderson, and um, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about his book, The Roar Within. Brent, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Union Podcast.
1: Hey, it's great to be with you guys.
0: Yeah. So you hail from Indiana.
1: Yeah. We were talking earlier. I call it the land of confusion. You know, our land. state flower, is the corn stalk.
0: Yeah, there it is. And if you yeah. The
1: basketball, the state bird here was Larry. It was Larry. It?
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Boston Celtics. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Oh, man. So uh, one of the things we love on the Union podcast is just people's stories, people's testimonies. And you've, you've got quite the story, man. As I've read your book, uh, The Roar Within, like there's just some incredible stories from wild, you know, Alaskan fishing boat encounters, uh, craziness that goes on there all the way out to Africa as you're a, you're an avid um, outdoorsman and hunter. And, um, you know, there's some wild stories, but you're also a John Maxwell certified life coach. Why, how did that process go? What was put on your heart just to be, just to help people uh, grow and thrive? in that avenue.
1: You know, it's real easy to talk to guys about adventure and it's easy to tell your own story. But, you know, in your own story, you know, whenever we're listening to someone, you know, we can usually pick up on whether, you know, they've they've been dealing with some unhealthiness because we all have at times and we all sure. still will. And I can grab so many guys' attention through these stories that God has given, you know, I've had an opportunity to live. And it became a really great platform, you know, then to be able to, you know, how do I help a guy on twist his unhealthy thoughts? Yeah. Because once you get, it's hard enough to get a man's attention. I mean, you know, keeping men together is like hurting cats right oh, i mean it's real. really
2: hard. yeah but,
1: you know, and, and guys typically you know they want to they don't want to talk to them and they they want to wear the mask you know how big they are how tough they are whatever mm. how many to one-up you on something and you know i was one of those guys um and it finally came to the place where when i really was getting healthy you know i've been an ordained pastor too for years mm-hmm. even though you know I, I i'm not you know a pastor you know per se at a church now uh but i did a lot of pastoral counseling and still so being able to take it to the next level because being able to say life coach rather than a pastoral counselor is inviting to a lot of men
0: it is yeah for sure
1: Darken the door to a church you know yeah. That kind of thing. yeah so i had you know i had been um, i had also been certified through lives transforming and i was actually training life coach coaches but then I went down and worked with uh, the Maxwell organization just to add more to the quiver
0: you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's a great organization i know several people who are certified through him as well it's just awesome awesome what they're doing yeah. so now you're also a recording artist and you've as i look in your bio you've actually had the chance you know to travel and and uh you know play music with some pretty big names in christian music how like tell us about that journey that process what was that like <laughs>
1: You know, I started in college when I went to uh, Anderson College, which is now Anderson University here in the, the state of Indiana. Um, you know, coming out of high school, you know, I, I was involved in music, but I didn't really sing. You know, I was mm-hmm. uh, back then, you know, like we're, you're talking the late 70s. It was kind of a it was not a masculine thing necessarily in the area that I grew up in because it was steel mill. It was wrestling, hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to college uh, three years after I worked in the steel mill after high school, you know, trying to, again, prove my manhood, get my man card kind of a thing. Right. And uh, I got to college, and, you know, God had gifted me with music, but it became a safe place for me to be able to pursue it and let it out. And I was. In a practice room, actually, one day, and I was playing and singing. And the guy came by and heard me. Knocked on the door. He came in and he said, "Man, let's let's just do a couple tunes together." And the next thing you know, he and I were traveling um, for about almost three years together. His brother joined us, but it was Steve Chapman, and now it's Stephen Curtis Chapman. So he wasn't he didn't have a Curtis back then, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, but yeah, so that became a big big piece of my my start, I guess you would call it in music. And then I formed a group called One after he moved to Nashville and uh, Sandy Patty Curtis. I don't know if you remember her. Not, but sang with her, you know, back in the in the late '80s, early '90s, for about five years.
0: Oh, amazing! Then I
1: then I got a couple of solo deals, and I toured with Avalon and Crystal Lewis and some others. Wow! Yeah. And, and, but now my passion really, i work worked in music a little bit every now and then, Yeah, but mostly what I love to do now is, is just, I love to write and I love to speak.
0: Mm, I love it. I love it. So, so that, I don't know at what point, you know, you encountered Christ, but let's maybe back it up a little bit. And like, how, how did that look? Like, did you grow up in a Christian family or what was your story and how did, yeah. how did you meet the Lord?
1: I think I was born in
0: the pew actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, you know, we were in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, rehearsals, you know, my dad. Whatever you could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was all the time. But, you know, as far as really knowing God, you know, I, I you know, until your head touches your heart and your theology, in other words, like your theology touches your reality, you don't Absolutely. really know. God.
2: Right. Right. And
1: honestly, you know, I, I think it just comes in stages. You, you begin to grow more. I don't know when I could say, man, I've known God since I was a little kid. I can remember at 14 being in my bed and, and, and raising my hands up to the ceiling and just praying to God and saying, God, I am. I am in awe of you right man the, the the depth of the growth and understanding of grace and not works Mm-hmm. that really only happened maybe 16 years ago. Um, wow. it, it, you know, that usually comes through your own personal shipwrecks because sure. you begin to understand that God really is a God who doesn't keep a record of wrongs, mm-hmm. um, that loves you no matter what. Are there still consequences? Well, of course, any yeah. any parent would discipline their child, but it's not punishment. And I think that's yeah. the thing that's amazing to me, that God would still, you know, because challenges are gifts. So those consequences are a gift because they lead me in the right direction. They bring me the yeah. closer to God. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's so good. That's so good. I don't think we see that very often that we think the consequences of our decisions, you know, and the the discipline that comes through them is actually a gift. You know what I mean? I think, I think that would probably one of the worst things if we were to be left to our own devices and never have the discipline, never have the consequences, you know, like, how much? How worse off would we be? You know.
1: Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that so many people and they go, "Well, I think God's—he's you know, punishing me for that." No, no. Jesus took the punishment. What you're experiencing right now is a gift because God understands. He knows the lies you're buying into, mm. and He's going to help you untangle them. And, and it, there was a book years ago. And I think it was actually John Eldridge and uh, uh, who was the one he used to write was a Brent Curtis, but it was uh, the Message of the Arrows. It might have been mm. Journey of Desire or the Sacred Romance, one of those. Sure. But he talks about when the arrows keep hitting the same place in our wound. Why would God allow that to happen? Well, it's grace because he wants us to deal with the lies we're buying into, with the hardship that we're going through. And so he will allow things to happen until we finally go, God, I'm done with this.
0: Yeah. I need right. you and, and, and invite you into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, man. So good. So so you're saying like sixteen years ago you came, you know, and really really came into a knowing relationship with God and a real knowing faith um in Christ. But like when did you know that like and I, I know you said like you're an ordained pastor, but you don't really pastor at like a local church, but like um when did you know that like God had called you into ministry? Because I see what you do is as full on ministry, right? Like as we're disciples of Christ, we're in ministry, you know. Yeah, but I like, mean, when, I- when, when did you know that God had called you?
1: Probably about, oh man, 1982. I mean, a long wow. time ago. Yeah. yeah. Before you were probably born, right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I was born in 85. So, <laughs> all
1: right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when and, and, I, and I'll say this too, understanding grace. Um, it is something that happens daily because I keep yeah. seeing it. Um, but in 19, well, let me see. You no, know, I've been about 2006 is, you know, I and I talk about it in one of my other books, but I, I, I talk about it in this one as well. Um, you know, having my own personal shipwreck, mm-hmm. you know, I got too close to another woman emotionally. Not, nothing wow. wasn't, wasn't a physical relationship. Right. But I was on staff at a large church and it happened inside that church. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where, you know, when you hit bottom and especially mm-hmm. if there are others around you that don't know how to handle it. And at that time, you know, the pastoral staff they, they weren't sure what to do with it.
2: Right, and
1: right. So back then, it's like, well, what do we do? Well, we're going to send you to counseling. We're going to get you involved in a twelve-step recovery group. We're going to get you to financial planning in case these are problems you're having, rather than dealing with issues. Mm-hmm. issue is where we're probably going to be heading in a minute, which is about yeah. identity.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So when I thought my worth and value. Came from somebody else. If that other person, in this case, it happened a woman, you know, um, had words of affirmation. Mm. Well, we all love words of affirmation, for sure. But it can get twisted in your head when you believe that that's what you need in order to be good. Yeah. And so it becomes like candy. You feel like you have to have it because you don't know your identity comes from the God of the universe who is in you. Add to any more, you're already one hundred percent righteous because of Him. Yeah. At your core. Yeah. And so nothing else on the outside can add to that, and I think we all buy into that lie in some way, shape, or form.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's that's real vulnerability, man. Um, now, how did how did you and Stacy meet? Like, I know that's probably jumping around a little bit, but like, no, no. how did how did you and Jay? Yeah, you and Stacy meet each other, and, and when did you guys get married?
1: You know, I had been through a painful divorce, you know, and something that after 28 years, you know, I, I, no one ever wants to. It's not just For sure. it's not just a, a breaking up of lives. I mean, it. And it's not even a cutting and a tearing; it's a ripping. If you've ever seen a bear take a salmon and put its paw on it and then just rip the thing, yeah, that's what it's like. And it, and it lasts for years. Um, and that's why I always encourage everybody: man, do everything you possibly um, you know to try to work on your marriage. But mm-hmm. so you know, you, you go through all the the pain, and I mean, it, and it, and it will it will always be there in some way. But you do realize that God does, does God want us to be broken? Yes. Does he want us to stay broken? Absolutely not. He mm-hmm. wants us to be healed. Absolutely. And so, you know, as I was working through the healing process, God brought an amazing woman into my life. She worked at the hospital. I was getting some blood tests done and she had also been through divorce mm-hmm. and she kind of looked at me. She said, you know, you look like you're kind of down. And I said, you know, it's it's been pretty rough. And I had just, you know, I had lost both of my parents in, in the last couple oh, of man. months. They both died within four months of each other. And her story was very similar to mine. You know, she, her mother abandoned her at the age of eight. She never knew who her dad was. Wow. And so, you know, conversations actually more about, you know, co- almost coaching type stuff started. Mm. And that's kind of how it all, it all started until we both realized, you
0: know, there's more here. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I, I would love to, to jump into the book here. And why, why is the roar within this kind of life message for you? And why does it burn so strongly in your heart?
1: Because I know the power of identity. Um, you know, I hated myself as a kid. I'm, I always joke around and say, man, I was so skinny when I was a kid that mm-hmm. I could stick my tongue out, turn sideways and look like a zipper. I mean, <laughs> I hate, my grad, get this. I graduated high school, six feet tall at 118 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh so, you know, is it, like every little kid wants to know, you know, that he's he's enough, that he's got mm-hmm. what it take. And, you know, the my, my question as a kid growing up, because I was bullied a lot, was, no, you don't have. That. And so I, I tried to discover that basically the roar within in so many other ways that were false. You know, the poser, right. yeah. trying to up one each other or trying to build muscles or, or money or fame or whatever. The thing and it was only after my personal shipwreck that I just talked about that God sent me to a man who literally discipled me for the next 10 years, almost daily, helping me with understanding where my one true identity came from um and it changed every and i mean wow. everything in my life wow. fear worry doubt shame lust jealousy rage all that stuff began to decrease because my knowledge of my identity in christ was increasing mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the whole thing with the book and, and i want guys i want everyone not just men for sure but i want them to understand that when you live out of the core of who you really are mm-hmm. it's a it's a dangerous good thing
0: yeah The enemy kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And we were talking before, just before we got started, you said that ROAR is actually an acronym. Could you? Could you share that? Just like.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I'm doing a, a retreat in Colorado coming up in a few days and it's Roar in the Rock. Oh, okay. And you know, this wasn't even in the book. This came after the book, the whole the acronym with the word Roar, because I was thinking, you know, how can I help these men, you know, that are needing to have masculinity bestowed, spoken in Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, masculinity right now is like, it's almost, guys are ashamed.
0: Absolutely. You know, with yeah.
1: everything we're seeing in culture. And, yeah. And so it became restoring our alpha role. Mm. And, it, you know, and some people, hear that, you know, they're like, well, oh, no, what do you mean by that? You know, right, right. I don't want to hear another one of these he man, It's my job to do God's battle. No, yeah, the battle is the Lord, but I am to be equipped with the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so what does it look like? You know, I remember John Eldridge in his book, Wilder Heart, that it's like God's given each man a sword and we can mm-hmm. even use that sword to defend our family or tear them down. Right. And so restoring an alpha role. What does it look like to be the covering, mm-hmm. to be the protector, to be the spiritual head that God's called us to.
2: Be? Yeah. Um,
1: and so that's really, Really what it's more about because if if my identity in Christ gets solidified, I really understand who I am. If my wife speaks disrespectfully to me, do I act kind like that? Or right. because my worth and value comes from God and not her, now I'm able to get into her world and love her well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing that gets messed up so much. And we see it in the life of Jesus that he never compromised his masculinity. Um, and yet he was compassionate, yet he was he was that protector. He was he said some strong Things. He said what needed to be said, but he laid his life down. You know what I mean? Like he was willing to sacrifice for other people. And and I, I love that. I love how that your heart there just to, to restore that in men. I think it's so important.
1: Well, and, you know, I think men can sometimes anger, confuse, you know, sometimes that's the only social, what do you say, socially acceptable emotion.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Because
1: it 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 portrays masculinity because if you think about crying or whatever else, it portrays weakness. And in the book, I even talk about you know there has to be a place where men can go to share crying, heal, and still be counted as warriors.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because if you
1: bury it, you carry it. I always say that you know if I'm if I'm carrying my shame or my grief, you know it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But the more I can let it out, you know, boy John Lynch. good friend of mine wrote a book called The Cure, has a phrase that I never forget. And it says, imagine a place so safe that you could share the worst about yourself and actually be loved more, not less for the telling mm, of it yeah and that's what i want men to be able to do have that company of men that band of brothers they can be in where they can be real
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely we yeah because i think when we do push it down when we push down that shame the anger you know disappointments the grief like we're the only ones that think it's pushed down everybody else you know because it always shows up in other areas right like your anger is going to show up in in the weirdest of places your disappointment and even i think like your sadness your unprocessed sadness shows up as anger Right. Because like you yeah. say, it's, it's, it's the more tolerable and socially acceptable. Um, yeah, so we're the only ones that cousins. we are you know,
1: right? angry, oh, sorry. Yeah. Whenever we're angry, it's because there's hurt below the surface.
0: Absolutely. We Absolutely. just don't
1: have to, con- because if we act like we're hurt, well, wow. You just need to tighten it, you know, your belt, yeah, yeah. suck it up. Yeah, up exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, there's, um, we're going to maybe take a quick break here, but when we get back, I'd love to jump in. You say you've in the book here, you've got five big man killers and you connect them to wild animals which I'm sure you got some stories behind uh, some of that. We'd love to hear, but we'll just, we'll pick that up just as we come back from a quick break here. Sounds good. There's a quick, there's a quick break. (laughs) So good, man. I love your heart with us, dude. This is so, so good. Thanks. Good. So, Hey, it's Brian from the union here. And it goes without saying in our day, sexuality has become very, very complicated. Many followers of Christ are finding themselves with big questions about hot topic issues of gender relationships and sexuality. And have questions like, what is tradition? What is cultural pressure? What does actually scripture say about these areas of my life? And with this in mind, we've released an eight-session e-course for young adults called The Journey Home. It includes digitally accessed video teachings and self-reflective study guides that helps you take action steps to apply what you are learning. If you would like to go through the course as an individual or go through it as a group, you can find out more at courses.theunionmovement.com. All right. So we're back here with Brent Henderson and we're going to jump into, in his book, uh, The Roar Within, he talks about five big man killers and how we need to identify and tear them down. And and really, actually, I think in a lot of ways, find healing in all these areas. So Brent, I'd love for you just to unpack each of these. You've, You've written these out, the lack of purpose disrespect anger lust and shame and and you connect these all to to wild animals so this is a great analogy and and like i like i said you've got some pretty wild stories in in this book man so i'd love for you just Take time and unpack each each one of these. It'd be great.
1: You know, one of my favorite things is actually the intro to the book, and a lot of people skip over the intro, so I hope they don't. Right. But it's I was I was camping in a little place called Blue in South Africa with a buddy of mine, and there was a chain link fence around it. And as I'm cooking this this you know, raw meat over this fire, you know, it was dark out, and the, the flames, you know, were, were flickering, and you could see just the edge of the, the the African bush, and I see these eyes about three feet off the ground on the other side of the fence, you know, maybe fifteen feet away, just staring at. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't tell what it was until eventually. Eventually it, it shows itself, and it was a huge spotted hyena. Wow. So, this hyena comes up and he marks his territory against the fence, right? My buddy goes, Hey, what are you going to do about that? And I <laughs> said, well, I'm going to mark my territory. There's nobody around, so yeah, I get down and mark my territory. Yeah. So, I come back, and we're getting a laugh out of it. Well, this hyena comes back and marks it again. And he wow. goes, Now, what are you going to do? And I go, Hey, it's okay. I saved a little. <laughs> so- <laughs> I walked down and I marked my territory again, you know, it's just this funny thing. But all of a sudden, the hyena started getting real nervous and I I couldn't tell why. And then I could hear it.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: A huge male lion, probably maybe between a quarter and a half mile, still that far away, was coming in our direction. And the hyena knows the power of a lion. Mm -hmm. And it took tail and was gone because a lion never bows to a hyena. And so Jesus never bows to the enemy. So that's kind of how this whole thing got started. And you have the big five of Africa, you know you've got the rhino you've got the lion you've got the cape buffalo you've got the elephant and you've got the leopard and each one of these were given uh you know the title of a big five animal because of how dangerous and how deadly they were to some of these hunters back in the day that were pursuing this, these game
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so i thought how can i how can i tie this together so i have a, a, a private group on facebook with a bunch of guys called dangerous men and i said hey i want you to tell me out of these like 15 things i gave them what are the top five man killers that you struggle with you know things like disrespect and lust and all that Mm-hmm. And so, in order of relevance, here's how they went. Number one um, came out to be lack of purpose, which I thought lack of respect wasn't, it was lack of purpose. And I mean, it wasn't even close. So, I was sort of thinking, what animal can I come with that? Well, the rhino. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen rhinos in the wild, and, and what they do is they, they graze most of the day long. I mean, they're wow. they're incredibly boring to watch. Mm-hmm. And they do almost nothing except graze, they defecate in the same place. That's how you find them, because they're dump piles of the size of a Volkswagen. I mean, right. that's what they do. Right. So, There was a veterinarian from Africa who had been inoculating um, uh, one of these these rhinos. And he darted it, and instead of standing still, because they don't see very well. He ran, and the rhino song came up from behind him on a full run, drove the first horn up through his leg, threw him back onto the, the second horn, broke his back, and then tossed him off into an acacia tree, which is this huge thorn.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: he, he lived a life flight of the out. But it's one of those things that we think about, you know, lack of purpose, you know, it creates boredom, but boredom can yeah. be a man killer. Yeah, for and real. And the big question that the enemy always likes to say is, to us is hey, do you think you're really enough? I mean, think about it right now. I mean, how much money? What's your job? You know, mm-hmm. what's your. Are you really changing lives here. And mm. he really beats us down because when the man feels a lack of purpose, it, it can be really deadly because we know what happens yeah. when a man's mind you know, is bored. Okay? Yeah, for sure. So then number two was lack of respect. And I gave that to the lion because we think of a lion, you know, it, it has so much respect because of its power and they, they take down the several thousand pounds sometimes. But what you'll find is when a lion comes up on a kill with one or two hyenas, he's not afraid to go in and yeah. take that kill. But if he's by himself and he gets in and there's too many hy- hyenas. And he's bit off more than he can chew. Those hyenas can take him out because they can crush the you know the, the pelvis of a cape buffalo with one mm-hmm. bite. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things with that is you know I, I talk in the book about men don't struggle with respect; they struggle with their need for it. Right. And people say, right. well, what does that mean? And I say, well, as long as I'm getting the respect I think I should have, I'm fine. Yeah. But yeah. if I'm not getting the respect now, I'm not. Yeah. Um. You know, some guy cuts you off you know, in traffic or he's running at the back of your car and you don't even know who this guy is. And he's giving you a hard time. and You're like, dude, I don't even know you. Yeah. Yeah. Why would I let that get under my skin? I mean, I don't need his respect because I have the God of the universe in me. It's his mm, issue, not mine. Get out of the way. Let him go around. What about your day without having to have unhealthy emotions? Right.
0: Yeah, totally. And
1: it's it's easier said than done sometimes, but that's where renewing your mind. So the number three oh. was anger, and I gave that to Cape Buffalo. Cape Buffalo, they call him black death for, for a reason. There's more actually more deaths than caused by any other creature there is.
2: Hmm. You know, when
1: a safari vehicle had it got hit by a cape buffalo, one hit, twenty thousand dollars in damage. And wow. we don't even know what set the thing off. But that's like men, we've got this anger right underneath the hood and we don't know why it's there. And when it pops up, sometimes it'll totally catch us off guard. Yeah. Um, say say Sam's wife speaks disrespectfully to him like, uh, uh honey, where have you seen the Abbey Pro? Well, they're probably right where you left them last time. You know, Brilliant. if he's good in his head, he can say, Well, I could sure use your beautiful eyes to help me find them again. <laughs> Nice but if he doesn't come back with a you know secure response yeah it can be it can become a fight he felt disrespected and so anger becomes the default but wow so then number four this is what i call the elephant room and that's a lot yeah and men we all know i, I was speaking yesterday morning at the church and i asked all the congregation i said guys i said how many of you struggle sometimes with lust when you see an attractive woman wearing these stretchy pants that they wear now and you know it, it, maybe 20 guys raised their hand mm-hmm. and i said thank you for being Courageous, and the rest of you men in this room just raised your toes inside your shoes. You Absolutely, me. <laughs> facts, man. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you are. Doesn't mean that that temptation's turned into a sin. But yeah, definitely, totally. the enemy knows how to get our attention, right? Yeah. But here, here's the problem: when a man is feeling insecure and he thinks he needs the attention of a of a beautiful woman, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you know he can pursue that, and he might not pursue it in a way that some of us might see. It might be through pornography because that woman's not going to talk down to.
2: It. Sure. Yeah. But
1: in the same way, what an elephant will do. You know, it will go and knock down a tree to pull up one root to chew it to get the water out of it, just for the satisfaction of having that one root. And that tree that was growing for thirty or forty years is destroyed. Yeah, wow. And that's what can happen when a man doesn't understand where his identity comes from and say goes and has an affair. You know, that thirty or forty years of, of marriage can be destroyed in a heartbeat yeah, if his totally. identity is insecure because he's getting his worth and value from the wrong place. Man. And then yeah. lastly, you can see how all that leads to number five, which is shame. And I gave that to the leopard. And the reason I I, I gave to the leopard is if you're if you're looking for a leopard um you're, you're looking for a tree that they have and you find a leopard tree because at the base of it you'll find all the skulls of all their kills. and mm. sometimes mm. you'll even find what they do is they drag their kill you know, 120 or 30 pound impala up into a tree where you can see that decaying carcass and that's what the enemy does with our sin mm. he dragged it up for everyone to see and he keeps dragging it up so that they can see it and so that we can feel it wow it's almost like you know the shame and condemnation of others—they keep bringing up our past sin, which God never ever does. Mm-hmm. But again, if I'm getting my worth and value from how well or not I performed, or what you think about me, I am dead meat. Yeah. Because anything that from my past someone can bring up, or, or the enemy brings it up in my head, now I feel shame and condemnation. And guess what? I'm going to do if I'm feeling that way? I'm probably going to go into hiding. And if I yeah. go into hiding, am I more susceptible to temptation or less susceptible?
0: Yeah, absolutely, more, more. for sure, more, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a wash. You know, it's a wash. And repeat. That's why I always encourage guys: if you have a band of brothers, where you can you can actually confess your temptations more than just going and confessing your sin. Yeah. It breaks the hold of the enemy. So good. You know, and the whole thing. I'll just end with this: on that, you know, what what did Jesus do? You know, in in, in the Old Testament, when a, when a man had committed murder, they would take the the body of that victim and they would chain it to his back, and he would have to carry yeah. it around until that rotting corpse diseased his own body enough that he would die, and the shame mm-hmm. and he. Would, and that's what the enemy tries to do with us with our past. Mm -hmm. But Jesus took all of that on his own back yeah. when he carried that cross up to calvary and he didn't just die with it he destroyed it and gave us new life through his resurrection and now i don't have to be bearing that shame anymore.
0: yeah so good so good with, with all these these five points and you unpack that man so good um how did you see like or maybe in your own story or like how do you see men now walking out of this lack of purpose this this need for respect and i th- I think he like that clarification be- between being respected and getting the getting respect and getting the respect that you think you deserve. Um, But like, how do you see us walking out of the anger, walking out of lust and walking out of shame?
1: Yep. Three words. Identity, identity, identity. <laughs> there you go. Really? Yeah. If if my identity, it, again, my righteousness is like filthy rags. Mm. But Ephesians tells us the moment we truly believed, you know, that God put that seal, that stamp of the Holy Spirit inside of us, guaranteeing our inheritance into the kingdom of heaven. And so at that point, you know, we look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, we're made up of a body, soul, and the spirit. Yeah. My spirit is the eternal part of me. And when God put his promised Holy Spirit inside of me, that is now my true identity. And when I learn how to live, from that place, fully yeah. loved, totally righteous because of Christ. Now I can defeat the mm-hmm. lies of the enemy. I still have to untangle the thoughts I'm buying into. Sure, sure. But identity is the is the
0: key to all of it. Yeah, man, that's so good. Brent, honestly, thank you so much for this. This has just been a real powerful. Um, there's so much to unpack here. And I'm gonna encourage everybody to get copy of the roar within where. Where can people get a copy of their book and how can people stay in touch with you?
1: Yeah, you can go through uh, you know, Baker Bookhouse. You can find them through there. You can get them from Barnes & Noble. You can get them from Amazon, ChristianBooks.com. There's all kinds of places. Just Google it, you'll find yeah.
0: it. For sure. Awesome. How can people uh, stay in touch with you? Uh, you know, you can get a hold of me
1: by going to men, not men's, but men dot org. And, uh, okay. you know, I've got contact information on there.
0: Great. Awesome. Well, Brent, thanks so much for your time. We'll be sure to put all those links uh, in the show notes there for our listeners to catch up. But again, thanks so much. And we encourage everybody to get your copy of The Roar Within and encounter the, re- the identity that sets us free from those five big man killers. Thanks so much again, Brent. Hey, it's been an honor. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to The Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments,
0: we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at the union For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com,
1: or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.